Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. I'm asked very often by Latin Rite Catholics this question. Can the Pope say to the Eastern Catholics something like he did to the Latin Rite Catholics, especially those who favor the traditional Latin Mass? In other words, can the Pope mandate anything or say anything that would not allow us, the Eastern Catholic Churches, to do our liturgy as we currently do it? Does he have that jurisdiction? Would he ever do something like that? Why would he do something like that? Well, the question is, on two levels, actually. It's, uh, the answer is on two levels, twofold. The first level would be a more strictly canonical level, which I am not an expert in, but I would say that you would probably have to go to a great extreme in terms of the Pope exerting that kind of authority over the Eastern churches in terms of their liturgy. I believe that technically he has the power, but in reality and practice, he really does not. And would not. It would be very, very strange if he were to say anything to the Eastern Catholic Churches regarding their liturgy in the same way that he did to the Latin Mass, the traditional Latin Mass. There are different circumstances, even though they both are about liturgy. But you see, in the Eastern Churches, as well as in the Western rites, in other words, the different rites of the Church have their own liturgies. That's really the heart and soul of what makes them different the different rites of the church. It's basically how they worship. And they all have their own ancient venerable liturgies. They're not interchangeable. They have similarities between them, but they are not interchangeable. They have their own style, their own language, their own way of worshiping, their own liturgical calendar, and so on. As I mentioned, there is oftentimes some similarities, even some overlap, for instance, in the calendars, such as holy days and so on, or different saints being celebrated, but they even have their own respective liturgical calendars. For example, the liturgical calendar in my church, the Byzantine church, is different day-to-day -day than the Latin Rite calendar. Sometimes we converge. In other words, we might have the same feast day, or we might be celebrating the same saint or saints on that day. 
Now, generally, of course, when it comes to the large cycles, in other words, the Paschal cycle and the cycle of our Lord's activity, yes, those are the same in the Eastern and Western churches, especially if they're on the Gregorian calendar. Some Eastern Catholic churches are still on the Julian calendar, but most are on the Gregorian calendar. So the big cycles in the liturgical calendars are similar in East and West. It's just when you get to the day-to-day that they become different, or even how we celebrate the Paschal season and the Christmas season. There are respective differences there too, but fundamentally they're on the same calendar in that regard. But the liturgies developed over time, and they are what's called ancient and venerable liturgies. In other words, they're pretty rock solid. In other words, the Eastern Catholic churches cannot say to the Latin Rite Church, oh, well, you should do this and this at your liturgy. You should change this or make it like ours or do this or that. Vice versa is true as well. The Latin Rite cannot look at the Eastern churches and say, well, you should be like us. You should do this like us and you should do that like us, or you should change this and change that. Now, we could do that only to some extent if each one of us is not being true to our own liturgy. For example, I, as a Byzantine Catholic, will often encourage my Latinite brethren that I think it would be very, very good for the Latin Rite Church if the liturgies in the Latin Rite, in other words, the masses, were always done ad orientum. Remember, ad orientum, when you face east, there are still times when the priest does turn to face the people. So it's not like it's black and white, either he's facing them or not. And it's not really about facing the people. It's about everyone, priest and laity, worshipers, the whole congregation, facing the same direction. And that is towards the east, the rising sun, towards God, just as it did in the Old Testament temple. It's the bride awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. In the Old Testament temple, it was in the Holy of Holies, the bridegroom Yahweh. For the Christians, of course, it now becomes Jesus Christ, who comes to wed his bride in the nuptial chamber of the Eucharist in that union and community of persons. So orienting east is what it's about. In other words, orienting towards God. But as I mentioned, even during a fundamentally eastern orientation of a mass or liturgy, in other words, ad orientum, the priest still does turn towards the people at certain times. And that is whenever he is delivering something. In other words, delivering the very presence of Christ by a blessing, reading the gospel or preaching, or distributing Eucharist. Think about it. If those of you are familiar with the Latin Mass or the many of the Eastern liturgies, we only turn towards the people, the priest only turns towards the people during those specific times, those specific moments or tasks. And that way, the priest is acting as persona Christi. As he faces the altar, he often is acting as persona ecclesia, in other words, in the person of the church. So the priest takes on representative roles of the bride and bridegroom, largely the bridegroom Christ, but also the bride, the church as well. So we face east, but at times we turn towards the people. So in the Latin mass in the Eastern churches, there are actually a lot of similarities, especially centuries ago. I often tell people that the difference between the Eastern liturgies and the Latin liturgies are basically the skeleton, think of it as the skeleton. The basic fundamental structure is pretty much the same. For instance, you have an introductory rite, sort of a gathering part of the liturgy. You have the litanies, you have the readings, you have the homily, you have the Our Father, the Creed, the consecration, the distribution of Eucharist, the final blessings. All those basic skeletal structures are the same. 
between east and west. It's just the meat of the bones is a little different. And that meat of the bones is where the ancient venerable practices come in. This is where the differences come in in the different rites. So the Pope really doesn't have, pastorally speaking, does not really have the authority or right, or should he enter into the business of the Eastern liturgies and say, well, you can't celebrate this liturgy, you have to do this liturgy over here. He especially can't do that now because the Eastern liturgies did not go through the same change as in the Latin Rite, where you went from the traditional Latin Rite Mass to now the Novus Ordo, or what we call the ordinary or extraordinary forms. The Eastern churches did not go through that, so they don't really have another alternative. They don't really have, in a sense, two Masses such as the Latin Rite does, the, the, the Tridentine or traditional Latin Rite Mass and the Novus Ordo. So even that kind of edict from the Pope wouldn't even apply to us. It'd be kind of a moot point because we don't have the same situation. We don't have the same liturgy or Mass. Again, skeletal structure is the same, but the way that it is done between the different rites, that's what makes the difference. And the Eastern Rites, they keep emphasizing, just as with the Western Rites, are venerable ancient rites. They developed, in a sense, organically. That's sometimes a dangerous word to use. It can be used superficially or even to justify superficial, unwarranted, unscholarly changes in the liturgy or mass. But organic means something very serious. In other words, there's a basic, consistent progression of the mass and development of it. Some of it, of course, a lot of it has stayed crystallized. In other words, the skeletal structure has remained the same since the basically the time of the apostles. But there has been developments in it in terms of the meat on the bones of the skeleton, the flesh on the bones. But that development, whether east or west, has to be very consistent, has to grow out of a consistent kind of development, not be something new. You don't trash one form of liturgy all of a sudden and make up another form. We don't do that. In east or west, that cannot or should not be done. So, the Pope, however, has intervened in terms of the Eastern liturgies, but in a different kind of way. In fact, just recently, he intervened to try to keep the peace or make a decision for one of the Eastern churches, the Malabar Church, which had two ways of doing their liturgy. One was a form that was more similar to Latin Rite influences, and the other one was more traditional more like their ancient Syriac liturgy. And there was kind of a squabble in the Syro-Malabar church about that. Which one should we use? Should it be either or? And the Pope basically said, you can do both. So he kind of stepped in there as a kind of a tiebreaker to keep the peace. But he didn't say, okay, you can't do this mass or you can't do that one. You you have to do this over here or a third one. He didn't do that. And he in a, sense, in a sense, he really can't, because what he did in the Latin Rite Church applies to the situation, the mass, or masses, in the Western lung of the church. So what he said about the Latin Mass, the traditional Latin Mass, and the Novus Ordo Mass recently, which has got many people up in arms and confused, what he said was pretty much germane just to the Western lung of the church. It really was not relevant to the Eastern churches because we have a different liturgy. We have a different situation. So it really wouldn't apply. But can the Pope make some kind of radical change in the Eastern liturgies as well? I don't really know. 
that's a question for canon lawyers, and that would be a question I think would have to take things to the extreme of of law or canon law, whatever the power authority of the Pope is. But for the most part, practically speaking, he really can't because it's a different situation. And so the Eastern churches continue to be a consistent liturgy. We most all of them do their liturgy on Orientum. We don't really have alternative liturgies. We have liturgies that are the same, but they also ascribe to other sources, such as the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom is the basic liturgy done in the Byzantine church. That's the most common one. But there's also the liturgy of St. Basil, which is really not much different. It's only a little bit different in the Eucharistic prayers, or what we would call anaphora, and not radically different. The biggest difference is the liturgy of St. Basil, the anaphora, the Eucharistic prayers are longer. They're very beautiful, very, very rich and beautiful, but they're a bit longer. There's also the liturgy of St. James. There's also the pre-sanctified liturgy, which is a liturgy unique to Lent. But these are not alternatives that are different from the basic liturgical tradition that has been around for centuries in the Byzantine church. When we come back, we'll talk more about the questions being asked of Eastern Catholics today. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you This is Bishop Christopher Coyne for OLPH Radio in Burlington, Vermont, and you're listening to Light of the East. This is Bold Talk with Father Thomas Lloyd. Many mothers are stressing over how to raise their adolescent sons. My advice to these mothers is, don't raise them, because you can't. Now don't worry moms, you have a crucial role in the development of your adolescent son, but now becomes more passive. When a boy reaches adolescence, he has to be turned over to dad and the male world. A boy's psychosexual development will take him on a journey away from the gender of his mother forever. Stamped in the very language and theology of his male body, a boy is designed for the external world. He must learn to risk and take the hits of life. Boys become men by going up against things greater than themselves. The male physiology acts upon the environment, tests the limits of things, tears down and builds up defends, protects, solves problems, and gets the point of things. 
mom must let go of her instincts to nurture and to protect her baby from the very journey that turns her boy into a man. The adolescent boy responds to the hierarchy of the male world. At this age, mom can no longer be his disciplinarian. What mom can be for her adolescent son is the reference point for his image of holy, healthy femininity. Mom can model for her son the way he is to honor and protect the intrinsic dignity and holiness of womanhood. So relax, mothers. Let go. Just trust what St. John Paul II called your feminine genius. All the rest must now be left up to dad. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Today, September 19th, is actually the anniversary of the first liturgy that we had in my church, Annunciation of the Mother of God, Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. This actually marks our 22nd year. Officially, we're not quite 22 years old because it'll take a few more months yet because we were officially consecrated by our bishop at that time, Bishop Basil Schott, on May 14th of 2000. So we're not officially 22 years old yet, but we are practically speaking in terms of our use of our church. We were using it, and then we, of course, went about arranging the official consecration. And I'll never forget what a joyous moment that was after all we went through, because our church represents the combining together of a couple parishes and a couple missions, and the relocation of them all to this new place in Homer Glen, Illinois, which is about 30 miles south of downtown Chicago in the southwest suburban area. It's a region that is semi-rural, a lot of open space, beautiful area. And so much has transpired since that day we first celebrated our first liturgy. The church wasn't even completely finished. We still had a cement floor. There were no, there was, I think I had painted only one icon at the time. All the walls were still white, but We were happy to be in our church, to be able to actually celebrate in our new church. And we continue to develop it, as many of you have seen, especially if you go on our website, byzantinecatholic.com, and look at some of the pictures of our church and also of our grounds, our award-winning environmental grounds that we have. And we established that parish in conjunction with our past, as a continuity of our past, in deference to those who came before us and whose shoulders we stand upon, which enable us to create our new church. But we also, because we had a chance to kind of start new, we had a vision, a vision or or the character, the charism of this parish now called Annunciation, because it was being reformed. See, even though we closed and had to sell off our previous properties where our churches were, I don't like to use the term closing or even combining. Really what happened was it was a renewing. Yes, it was a relocating, but it was a renewing spiritually, not just physically, but spiritually. The physical and the spiritual goes together. That's what we call the sacramental worldview, living in the both and. It's not just a physical consideration. Oh, we're closing these buildings and building a new building over here that's called a church. Yes, we are closing the building itself and selling it, but we're building a new one, bringing the same congregation with the eye on new people joining us as well, and we're renewing as we are in a new home. It's like putting on new clothes. You tend to act differently. And our vision was one that was based on being a center for education and formation in what I'm doing right now with this radio program the Eastern Catholic spirituality, to be a kind of a center, a banner for that, where people can come to learn and experience it. And that's also what gave birth to this radio program, Light of the East. It's an extension of our vision. Now, we describe that vision as inherently evangelical, an evangelical mission. Everything we do 
we do with the eye on sharing what we're about, sharing the riches, first of all, of course, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also how we as Byzantine Catholics live out that gospel. In other words, our ancient, venerable, timeless, good for all times, traditions and customs and spirituality. And we do that with everything we do from our restored prairie to the icons in the church, to our liturgy, to our events, to everything. Everything is evangelical. In fact, we keep our doors open every day. That's right. Every day, all day, our church is open because we know that it becomes a ministry in itself, an outreach in itself. And every day, I can tell you, throughout the day, seven days a week, there's always somebody coming to pray, to see the church, to visit, even groups. We do a lot of tour groups in our church. We host a lot of them. So I just want to acknowledge and thank God as I look back. I've been here since the beginning. I was the priest here when we built the church, and I'm still here, which I think is sometimes unusual, but I feel very blessed by that. Hopefully, the people I serve are blessed by that in some way. They certainly bless me. But we are here together, looking forward to hopefully many more years. So I just wanted to mention that. Find out more about us, go to byzantinecatholic.com, byzantinecatholic.com. Now on to our second question, and that is, how are the Eastern Catholics faring, or what are they doing in terms of the COVID safety policies? Are they the same as in the Latin Rite, Latin Rite diocese? Well, just like with our question earlier about the liturgy, the basic skeleton of policy, safety policies in Eastern Catholic churches is similar to the Latin Rite diocese. In fact, the bishops basically have to be basically on the same page with this, all the bishops of the USCCB, which includes the Eastern bishops as well. But how they actually do it in their diocese or eparchies will differ. Because again, just like with the liturgies, we have different situations. In our churches, the Eastern Catholic churches, the restrictions probably by and large are not as what you might call strict as in some of the Latin Rite dioceses, because again, our situation is a bit different. One of the things that we don't really tell people is that they can't sing, because the very essence of our liturgy is chanting, and it's the people who chant. In other words, they are led by a cantor or a choir or uh, or a little small group of singers, whatever. They're they're led, but it's really the people who make the liturgy in the Eastern churches, especially in my particular tradition, the Byzantine Catholic tradition. We sing everything. We sing unceasingly. We even chant the readings. I don't sing the homily, unless, of course, I move to do so. But basically, we chant everything. We pray unceasingly because in our liturgy, the spirituality of it, the charism of liturgy is that we take our place in the heavenly liturgy alongside the angels in heaven as they sing gloriously forever, unceasingly, the praises of God as they surround the throne of God. And that is what we do in our liturgy. So it's very difficult for bishops to tell us, even during COVID, oh, well, don't sing. Uh, Furthermore, our churches are such that our people can spread out. Some churches are pretty full, but seldom are they that full that people are necessarily on top of each other. So there's really no threat to our health by singing. We also have the custom of distributing Holy Communion with one chalice using one spoon. Because in the Eastern churches, many of them, especially ours, we distribute Eucharist. Eucharist is in the form of a leavened bread, leavened bread and consecrated wine. The leavened bread starts out as a loaf with an insignia on it with the name of Jesus Christ. It says Jesus Christ conquers. It is ceremoniously cut into different pieces 
on a table, which is to the side of the main altar in the sanctuary, at a ritual we call the rite of preparation. And each particle, someone is commemorated with that particle as the priest cuts the particle and puts it on the, what's called the discos. And the center part of the bread, the largest piece, is what the lat right window is the host, and we call it the lamb. And originally, everyone took part of the centerpiece, the lamb. That was the piece consecrated. The rest were just commemorative. But now, for pastoral purposes, we consecrate all of the particles. And what happens is, when it's time for the communion, the priest or the deacon takes those consecrated particles from the discos and pours them into the chalice, which has the consecrated wine, the precious blood of Christ. The communicants come forward, standing. They remain standing, and it's very simple. You stand, because that's a sign of respect and vigilance in our church, and you tilt your head back, and the priest takes a spoon, a golden spoon, just like a golden chalice, precious metals, and takes a particle of the bread, the precious body that's soaked in the precious blood, and simply drops it in the person's mouth. That's it. You don't extend your tongue, you don't say amen, nothing. It's real simple. You're like a baby bird in a nest. Just open your mouth, stand erect, don't bend or lean forward or anything, don't extend your tongue, just stand erect, tilt your head back, open your mouth widely, and the Eucharist is dropped right in your mouth. Well, because of COVID, we have found different ways we have to do that. Usually we just use one spoon for the whole congregation. That's right. Now, during COVID, we're instructed to use several spoons. In other words, a spoon for each communicant, and those spoons are sterilized. So nobody touches that spoon before a particular communicant receives. In other words, it's like you have your own personal spoon, so you don't have to worry. Besides, you really can't get COVID through the Eucharist anyway. But for precaution's sake, in the Eastern churches that use the spoon, we have various ways in which we're using an individual spoon for each communicant. Those are just some of the things we could talk more about this as we are still within the COVID precaution era here. Let's keep praying about that and keep faithful to our churches, our respective churches, East and West. And please keep listening to us here at Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.